Introducing the Dwights, Brenda Blethen stars as Jean Dwight on the downslope of a career as a body and risque comedian. Her sons Tim and his intellectually disabled brother Mark inhabit a household where chaos is the relative norm. Their father, a one-hit wonder 25 years earlier, works as a security guard and hopes for another break. And so when Tim meets and falls for gorgeous Jill, his mom fears that this interloper will break up the family and what was never exactly a stable home environment to begin with becomes a combat zone where the two women lock horns for his affections. Introducing the Dwights was written by Keith Thompson, directed by Cherie Nolan, and stars actress Brenda Blethyn, one of Britain's most celebrated actors in film, television, and theater. She has twice been nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress. She's won the Best Actress Award at the Cannes Film Festival, a BAFTA Award for Best Actress, and a Golden Globe Award, as well as several major award nominations for films such as Secrets and Lies, Little Voice, Saving Grace, and Pride and Prejudice. Her other film credits include Lovely and Amazing, which was a lovely and amazing movie, The Witches, A River Runs Through It, Beyond the Sea, and On a Clear Day. Her television credits include the BBC Two Playhouse presentation of Mike Lee's Grown Ups, uh, Yes Minister, the BBC Shakespeare series of The Buddha of Suburbia and Outside Eds, for which she was named Best Comedy Actress in the 1994 British Comedy Awards. More recently, she was uh, featured in the six-part comedy drama Between the Sheets. I love that title. Uh, on stage, her work with the National Theatre Company included uh, Tambor Lane and Bedroom Farce, which were both directed by Peter Hall, uh, The Passion, and A Midsummer's Night's Dream, directed by Bill Bryden, The Bow Stratagem and The Provoked Wife, directed by Peter Wood, and Tom Stoppard's Dalliance. She was also a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company, and uh, she's got, boy, other credits up the kazoo here. She's even an author. She's uh, She wrote an autobiography entitled Mixed Fancies, and uh, she joins us now on behalf of introducing the Dwights. Thank you, Brenda, for being here. Uh, Thank you, Tim. You're, you're welcome. Keith Thompson wrote this character of Jeannie Dwight, uh, a British comedian who had immigrated to Australia 25 years ago with her Australian performer husband for you. I guess that means to some extent you've, you've arrived. A 30-year overnight success, right? right? Oh, it's terribly flattering, although when I read the script and said I'd like to do it, I didn't know that little fact. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I just thought that Keith wrote about the young boy's journey of discovery, finding love and sex and romance for the first time. I thought it was so tenderly written, so fresh and so beautiful um, in this uh, environment of these parents are both entertainers, which is rather <laughs> embarrassed about. I didn't know it was written for me, but I snapped it up straight away. I said, yes, please, I would like to do this. And then I found out it was written for me. And then when I sort of delved further, as to why was it written with me, for me? Um, I learned that Keith Thompson, the writer, grew up only about 20 miles from where I grew up in Kent in England. And uh, What is that called? Consonance or resonance or synchronicity? Yeah. or something but isn't that interesting yeah. yes apparently he saw a film I did uh, with Mike Lee Grown Ups that was made 16 years before Secrets and Lies and it was set in Canterbury in Kent and uh, all the little nuances in it resonated with him so he, he was kind of tuned into that you mentioned Mike Lee and, and Secrets and Lies your your third film it's so hard to believe that that was I think that was your third film it came to you when you were I think like 50 right yes. and mm. it, it sort of catapulted you into a kind of uh, stratospheric stardom what, what, what did that what what did that kind of success mean to you at that age well, it simply opened the door for me in the film world internationally. Um, I'd done a great deal of theatre already. It was 
which is what I came into the business for, to work in theatre. Never dreamed I'd ever be on television or, or make a film. Um, and so I was happy to try these new experiences. And suddenly there were lots of scripts on, you know, on the table, for, um, lots of offers. But there was a little Australian script came um, in the winter dark from a Tim yes. Winton novel right. yes. that haunted me. I put it aside and, and I kept thinking about it and... Um, my agent says, oh, there's other offers here, you know, sort of bigger budget and I think perhaps would be better for you. I said, no, I, I, I'm more interested in this little Australian film, which was also produced by Rosemary Blight, who has produced uh, Introducing the Dwights. Well, but before that then, having done, as, we, as you said, I mean, much theatre and, and British television, how, how did you benchmark your success? Was it just to simply keep working? I mean, you, you've always been prolific. It's just a lot of people didn't know about you until you had this film success. <laughs> success here in the, in the states but you know i mean is that how did you get through the dark times you know because acting can be um, pretty thankless well, at times fortunately touch wood i have uh, <laughs> always been in work i don't have an yeah, ego oh. about um whether i'm playing a leading part or um a supporting part i simply don't i'm just i have never had um I wrote in my book, I'm unhampered by ambition. I take after my dad in that respect. I'm generally pretty ha happy where I am at the moment. Um, Isn't that interesting? Because we're, we're, society tells us a lot that, you know, we have to be, we have to be driven, we have to be motivated, we have to, but you, it seemed like you simply knew that that's what you wanted to commit your life to and uh, the rest well it was came rather late actually tim i worked for 10 years as a secretary, as a secretary. before um going to drama school and in fact i got into acting by default uh, i was working for british rail and their freight marketing department <laughs> as a secretary <laughs> and they had a, an amateur dramatic society and were entering a competition and one of their actors who had one line only had fell sick and they said would i step into the breach i said don't be so Ridiculous. I can't do that. And they said, please, we're desperate. I thought, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so, Go on then. Yeah. I'll help you yeah. out. And of course, I was dreadful. I can still remember my line. It was, it's a real dirty old night. Evans, the post, says the mist is right down to the pass. Quite thick, he said it was. <laughs> now, now, that sounded pretty good to me. Oh, no, I was dreadful. Did you, did you, no, that's, did, is that the way you said it? <laughs> oh, no, probably not. Um, I decided actually she was the maid and had, uh, I wondered why she'd volunteered this information. So I decided that she must have been cleaning out the grate. As I said, <laughs> my line, I imagined uh, I'd invented this all for myself just on this one line and that she had an apron on. So I patted down the coal dust from my apron as I said the line. So it was pat, pat. Pat, pat, as I'm saying. See, you even, you, said, <laughs> you even had the instinct, though, to do a little bit of business yes. there, too. She said to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm just patting my apron to get that. She said, you're not wearing an apron. I said, no, but I will be, perhaps. She says, no, you won't. Stand still and say the line. Right. So, said, <laughs> so, so then did you, did you realize then at that moment that that's something that maybe you wanted to do, even though um, you said you weren't very good? Or? Oh, no, I was petrified. Uh, it, it was really scary. But what I did like was the whole ambiance, the whole camaraderie that came with it like lots of people doing different jobs to a common end uh, there was somebody painting the sets mm -hmm. or somebody mm -hmm. sorting out the costumes getting the props mm -hmm. and selling the tickets somebody drew a poster and all to make this evening in in the theater work yeah. and i love that i love the ensemble working i i really love it and it's what i like about introducing the whites there's a real ensemble 
atmosphere. Yes. And um, and I joined the group, and um, they did a, a several three act plays a year. And the more I did, uh, I got to be playing the leading parts, sort of l'ingenue. And the more I did, the more I loved it. It seemed to me to fit. It's like a rather well-tailored coat. And I loved uh, everything that came with it. So is it accurate to say that you learned your craft on, your, on the job? Yes, yes. And, um, no, no formal training? Oh, yes. No, I did go. People kept saying to me, you could be professional uh, doing this. I said, don't be so ridiculous. I never heard anything so irresponsible to give up my good job to pursue a hobby. Uh, don't be ridiculous. But people kept saying it, and, and one person too often said it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what if I... I wonder... And I got to 27, and I thought, I wonder if I could pursue this. So, and I think what puts people off trying things is fear of failure, as I was saying, yeah. yes, you know, yes. is fear of failure or rejection. So I thought, well, I won't tell anybody. I'll apply to drama school. And if they tell me not to be silly, to go away, nobody will know. So <laughs> be, be all right. Um, but they didn't. I, I got a place at the uh, Guildford GSA Conservatoire. Yes, yes. And, um, but between applying um, to go on the course and actually going, about six months later, my marriage broke up. So in fact, my whole life changed. My place of living, my marital status, my prospects, my job, my bank balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the bank Everything balance. Everything yeah. changed. Yeah. Uh, so um, were you able to use that? I mean, was it, was it helpful then to be acting at that time oh, or yes. not? Oh, yes. I found the whole uh, process of uh, at drama school, um, you know, you're encouraged to observe people. You're encouraged to, you yes. know, find out what makes people get up in the morning. And the more you learn about other people, of course, the more you learn about yourself. And, and I thought it was a a wonderful training ground. In fact, I think everyone could benefit from a drama training course, even if you have no intention of going into theater. That's so true. Yeah. I, st I took acting in college, and I think I learned more about myself in the, the, the six months yeah. that I took the 101 class. It yeah, just, it's it illuminating, gets, isn't it's it? It's illuminating, and it's also very scary, because to be really good, you really do have to, you have to, you have to go deep, and then yeah. you have to show that to people. Yes. And that's, that's, that's a very brave thing that I think actors do that I really admire. Yeah. But just on a basic level, you know, uh, punctuality. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. That someone's <laughs> relying on you and that you're uh -huh. relying on somebody else. Sure, you know, so yeah. Just that camaraderie. Yeah, right. Is, um, Your approach to the playing of this character, any character, for example, are you of the opinion that when you play a part, you, you should be in sympathy with the character in some way or stay free from judging the character. How do you, what's your pro process um, I'm on not, that? I'm not a method actor. I'm the opposite. I, um, having worked with Mike Lee, you're encouraged to look at the character totally objectively. It's her. It's not me. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just learn as much about her and why she does things. And there are lots of clues, obviously, in the script. But there mm -hmm. are some things, particularly with um, in introducing the Dwights, is that I understood that, uh, that the audience, the cinema-going audience, will meet Jill long before she does and so all the sympathy all the empathy yeah. will be with the, the young yeah. people uh -huh. um meanwhile she does not know where her son is and i mean if you played the film without those scenes yes if, if this audience That's very was, canny. Yes, was yes. uh 
ignorant of mm -hmm. where he was too, it, you'd have a totally different reaction. It's a fascinating character for you too. This lady's quite complex, though in, in, in some ways, as I was saying earlier, she you can kind of dismiss her as a kind of control freak or maybe even a monster in the way that she demands so much of her sons and how she comes in between the girls and, and her son Tim's life. So the key for making her work was just to approach her objectively. Uh, any job. Any yeah. job. Yeah. But also, I think if you had met this family even one week earlier, if just a few days earlier, you'd have seen a different picture. You said in your introduction that this was, um, that, that the, the family didn't function quite well, uh, even at the start. Well, I think it did. I think it's held very well together. They've got a good thing going. <laughs> she's a bit of cookie, you know, she's uh, the repartee that trips off her tongue. Is a little embarrassing sometimes mm -hmm. but it's uh, a loving family you can tell from the way those boys are with each other and with their mother um and in it's, fact it's working swimmingly he's on the threshold of his new career with his removal van and she's yes. stumped up the deposit and she's guarantor for that and he's part of her double act um, right. on the in on the stage and she always plucks him from the audience yes. that's part of their routine yes yes and um and he earns extra money yes. for that he's reliable he's it just works well. It works and well. And they all trust each other. Yes, yes. Um, and they're honest with each other. And suddenly he starts behaving strangely. And we know <laughs> from um, experience, because she refers, constantly refers to the Samantha episode all over again. Yes, his previous girlfriend. Yes, that he had uh, a bad... Um, it didn't suit him at all. <laughs> he got a little <laughs> ill over that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, and so she's fearful of that. He's 22, 20, 20 it's sort of going on 12 um, emotionally. Yes, yeah. She knows that he's a shy boy. He's a, he's a dear boy. Isn't he just gorgeous? And um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when he starts behaving rather furtively and um, uh, is coming home late and is not turning up to do his gig at the, you know, on the comedy circuit, and suddenly these, her back's up. You know, and she knows that it's wouldn't be from his instigation. It'll be from there's a girl there somewhere, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then she discovers that Mark, his brother, knows all about this, and she's been kept. So there's something odd because up to then it's been a very honest, open. So that of course her back is up, but because the audience see this in reverse order, she's labelled the villain of the piece. Yes. Yeah. And, and still is to an extent, because she is experiencing an emotion that she hasn't experienced before, too. So just because she's older and she's a parent doesn't mean, you know, she doesn't have new things to deal with. And, and you know, you mentioned the honesty in the family. And that yeah. was actually refreshing about this family yeah. is that everybody knew always where everybody stood. People, everybody said what they meant. Yes. You know, sometimes mm. to some, you know, a little twingy effect, but w yes. w whatever. It's, I'm, I've always been of the opinion that it's better to know for people to be honest, because at least you know what you got to work with. And yes. then you can you can move forward yes. from there. We're talking to Brenda Blethyn, and we're talking about introducing the Dwights, her new movie. Brenda, you did stand-up comedy in this film, <laughs> which which you actually wrote. Uh, some of it, yes. Yeah. Um, I tried to get into the mindset of a stand-up comedian who'd probably um, have to prepare a new routine for each place they go to or use the same mm -hmm. one at various different places. Just to kind of... And I would... Uh, 
she's not particularly good. The sadness with Jean really is that she was on the threshold of a brilliant, uh, successful career in England when she met and fell in love with uh, an Australian rock singer 25 years earlier and emigrates to Australia with him. And because she has her boys, she gives it up to bring them up and she's happy to do that. But meanwhile, comedy has moved on mm. and it's more vibrant, it's, it's younger and it's... But her comedy has not... <laughs> So I, did th I did. I did think some of the stuff some she of said it, was yes. pretty funny. Yeah, some of it is <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah, some of it is funny. Um, but uh, it's not good enough for her to be to fulfill her dreams. I don't think. And, now, and I also understand too. That this next thing that we're, I'm going to talk about it was a bit of a challenge for you. You also get to sing a Tina Turner song, uh, <laughs> "Nutbush City Limits," which yeah. was terrific. But I understand that you struggled with that. And 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 what was the the distinction you finally made in order to to do it so well? Well, um, I had an attempt at it, and I was told that there was a way around it. You know that I wouldn't ha necessarily have to do it. But of course, when it came to it, that was complete fabrication, <laughs> and I had to go to the studio and I was terribly terribly nervous about doing it and um, and uh, on my first take it was absolutely dreadful complete like a little mouse singing <laughs> and um, and I asked if I could go and listen to it and the the sound engineer said I don't think you should Brent that is not a good idea but I insisted because I knew if I could hear how bad it was then I could throw caution to the wind because it wouldn't be any worse <laughs> It couldn't be. And I knew it would be dreadful. And if I could just hear it, I could then just go. In fact, the, I had um, a singing teacher for about 45 minutes, a wonderful singer, Connie, beautiful singer. And she said to me, Brenda, why are you so scared? You're a stage actress with a brilliant vocal range when you're t speaking. What is it that there's something switches off as soon as you think, you know, when it turns to singing? What's wrong? Just forget that. Leave that switch alone. And I thought, okay, Connie, I'm going to leave that switch alone and go and have another go because it can't be any worse. And <laughs> sang it with gusto. <laughs> And you, because you basically you sang it as the character, right, and yes, not as Brenda yes, Blethyn. That's right. Yeah. yeah well, that's yeah. that does. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I guess that would seem kind of obvious, but I guess not when you're struggling like that, right? When you're scared. Because it's great in the movie. Thank you. It's one of the final things that we get to hear in the film, and it's uh, thank you sends us out with a, yeah. with a with a with a nice little lip. Uh, you were in Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies, of course. And can you talk about? Uh, Mike Lee's way of working, which involves a lot of improvisation and individual creation of the role, uh, as opposed to, for want of a better word, the more regular way of acting a role where you where you just you sort of learn the lines and and mm. and, and the importance of rehearsal. Because I understand you yes. you guys had the luxury of rehearsing for this film, which doesn't always happen for an independent movie. That's right. Well, the difference between Mike Lee, uh, the, the way Mike Lee is simply how you arrive at what is going to be filmed. You either have uh, someone or a screenwriter go away and write it, and that's your starting point, or with in the case of Mike Lee, you have nothing, and then you, you, we have to invent what is going to be filmed. Once you start filming, it's conventional filming. So, um, because there's never a script with Mike Lee, um, and you're never given a storyline, you're never given any indication which way the character is to develop, um, and so you find a starting point uh, with Mike on a one-to-one -one basis, 
Um, it can just be a characteristic, just an essence of somebody you might have met. I mean, this takes about, to find the starting point can take a couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah. having found that, you then build a whole new person on that kernel. Of, um, but it's done chronologically. So instead of inventing a background, you actually invent it uh, from infancy in layer upon layer upon layer and the minutest of detail yeah. um, until adulthood. And then, and then you start doing improvisations. Um, for instance, when my character was four and a half after working, I suppose, uh, six weeks or something like that, um, Mike Lee said something to me along the lines of, would she notice if her mother got fat? And I said, well, he said, very fat. I said, well, yes, she'd probably know, think that she was having a baby because we'd already talked about um, a mm. neighbor having mm. a baby. Mm -hmm. So she would know that. And it, because he's the voice of everyone, not in it, he said, and indeed she would be right. And um, a couple of months after that, uh, mother did have a baby and that turned into Timothy Spall. So then Tim and I would work together um, and found, we walked the streets of London to find the house we, they would have lived in. And having found that, we walked the streets to find the route to the school, to find out where the doctor's surgery was, um, the laundrette, the dentist. Uh, we invented a whole neighborhood of characters who lived, all the neighbors. We invented an extended family. And so when you actually come to an improvisation, you, you're not inventing anything. You're mm -hmm. just behaving as that person would. Um, in any given situation, the actor and the character has a memory, has a history. And Do you enjoy that way oh, of working? Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah. You, you have such a fantastic sense of achievement at the end of it. In, in, in 1978, the BBC began filming the complete dramatic works of, of William Shakespeare. And I think it was in 82, you played opposite Michael uh, Hordern as, as Lear, and you played Cordelia. Yes. Can you talk about the pleasures and the perils of performing Shakespeare? Um, yes, I'll try. I haven't done a great deal of Shakespeare, and I was thrilled to be um, to be doing that, taking part in the BBC ones. And in fact, there was, um, because I was a little shy of it, a little nervous of it, the day that it was due to go out, I decided to invite all my friends out for a meal, uh, just in case they saw it. I was too embarrassed. <laughs> and the morning after it aired, I was walking across Waterloo Bridge, and I could see a critic television critic coming in the other direction. I thought, oh, so I kept my head down. But he spotted me. He said, oh, Miss Blethin. And he came flying across the road. He said, I just want you to know that I saw your Cordelia last night. I thought, oh, <laughs> He said, yes, and I want to congratulate you. He said... I thought it was marvellous, and I started to swell with pride. He said, you played it exactly as I thought it should have been played, Brenda. He said, like a chip off the old block. Absolutely marvellous. Well done. I thought, this is fantastic. And then he said, technically, you've got some way to go. <laughs> thought, what does that mean? He, he, he blew you, you up, and then he bam, <laughs> punctured you right yeah, in the but Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just my humor. I love it. <laughs> was he serious? Oh, yes, absolutely yeah, yeah. serious. But he was still being complimentary. Yeah. But he's got my little bubble burst, you know. 
<laughs> well, we, yeah, we're being given the hook here. The time's been flying. We've been in conversation with Brenda Blethen. Uh, the film is Introducing the Dwights. It's, it's a rich movie, I think, as we've talked about. And Brenda, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. We, I wish we had more time. But, Thank uh, you, Tim. I wish we had more time, too. I've enjoyed it. Thank you're, you. You're most welcome. And uh, this is Tim Seeker for Celluloid Dreams, 90.5 FM KSJS San Jose, and online at celluloiddreams.net. Introducing the Dwights opens this Friday, July 6th in New York and L.A. and the following Friday, July 13th in the Bay Area. Hear full-length interviews every week on Celluloid Dreams. 